So good to see you this morning. Great to see you. What a nice crowd today. And, and uh, we're happy that you're here. Glad that you're here. I want to just share something with you before we get into the Word this morning. Uh, there's those connection cards right in front of you. They're white. And um, normally we, uh, we ask our guests to uh, just complete one of those so that we can send you a letter this week and, and note your uh, attendance here at church. We really appreciate you being here. But also they're for everybody. And so if you've got a prayer need, take a look at that card because in the back there's a place for that prayer need. It'll give us an opportunity to pray this week and, and uh, to know how to pray and who to pray for. And you're welcome to utilize that at any time uh, during the service or whatever and put it in the, uh, the offering when it comes by or drop it off on the information desk on your way out. But we want you to take advantage of that. So anyway, I want us to stand this morning. I'm going to read from John chapter 15 or John chapter 17, excuse me. It says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in their lives. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. It finishes by saying, As you have sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I just felt like that was an appropriate message or a passage to share with you on a day like today where there's so much turmoil that goes on in the world. And you wonder, Lord, when are you going to get here and take me out of it? And then I read something like this, and Jesus said, no, I'm not taking you out. I'm going to leave you in it so that you can be some salt and light, so you can be a change agent, so you can bring hope and encouragement and help to people. And so that's our job. And so I want us to pray about that this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful Lord's Day and for the opportunity that we have to come as the family of God, to stand here in this place, and we lift up our hearts to you, and we say praise be unto God, who has given us the unspeakable gift of everlasting life through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you today that you do have us in the world, and that you do expect us to be that salt and that light. Father, I pray that wherever we go this coming week, I pray that we will go in the power of God. I pray that we will go with the brightness of his glory that would, be, that would shine through our redeemed lives. And so, Father, I thank you today. Father, I pray let the people of God in this sanctuary worship you and love you and enjoy your presence. Father, we want to hear from the word of God this morning, and we believe that word is going to penetrate powerfully into our lives. Now today, we give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please. The message that I'm sharing today, Five Ways That God Speaks to Us, is going to be, I think, incredibly simple. On the back of your church bulletin, there are some areas that you can take a note if you wish. Next week, I want to, uh, I want to share um, 
a, a message that's going to sound very similar and yet it's going to be very different. Uh, how to know the voice of God. I believe God speaks to us today. I believe he's speaking to us more than ever before. I hear the question often at the door or uh, in some kind of conversation where somebody says, how can I know the voice of God? How can I know it's really God that is speaking to me? And I think that's a very important question because there are a lot of voices today that we are listening to, that we hear, that sometimes we wind up responding to them. And we really, we really honestly need to know this is God speaking and not something else. And so I'll be sharing that uh, next week. And I just, uh, my, my heart is just so filled with the coming days ahead with, uh, you know, I'm looking ahead. I'm just looking ahead. And uh, one of the things today that just reminded me of that is that, uh, and I'm, I'm just sort of, you know, I think God drops a seed of an idea in my head. I don't know how other preachers do it. I think it's probably similar. But I'm working on a seed of an idea. And <clears throat> I, think, I think today it points out one of the needs, and, and that's, I don't know quite how to say this, I think God is drawing us back to his altar. And uh, I just, I feel that in a big, strong, powerful way. And hopefully sometime in September I can share that message. It's just, it's just a handful of little scribbles and scratches on, actually it's on the back of an envelope right now. And so I want to be sharing that with you. I, I grew up in a church environment in which the altar was very prominent. And I'm not talking about that altar. I'm talking about the altar where you kneel, where you come before God, where God begins to speak into your life and does so many amazing things. And I want to speak on that. And um, so anyway, something that's coming ahead. Would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 39? John chapter 4, beginning in verse 39. <clears throat> I want to read this text to you, and then I'm going to, uh, we'll, we'll apply it and talk about it here just a little bit later on as we move into this message. But John chapter 4, beginning in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said for ourselves. We have heard him, and we know this, is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. As I mentioned early on, and as I was just beginning to move into this message, it is a, it is a frequently asked question of, does God still speak today? Does God still speak today? Or, or a similar thing is somebody may come up to me and say, you know, this has been happening in my life, and I think this is what's going on. Do you think that is God speaking? Well, that, that, in some ways, that's very hard for me to answer, but I will answer this way in a more general sense. 
yes, I believe God does speak to us. As a matter of fact, I believe God is speaking more to us today than at any other time, any other period in all of my life. He is speaking. He has a message. There is a word that God has for every one of us. There is something that he wants to communicate to you. And the, and the idea is, <clears throat> how can I hear that? How can I understand that? Is that going to come to me as a voice like my voice is coming to you this morning? Is that going to come to me as an impression in my heart? Is that going to come to me as something in my head that I just think about and I think that must be God or all of these things? These are important aspects of God speaking to us. And I, and I want to make sure that we have some clarity in these areas. And so we're going we're gonna to move into that. I don't know what you think when somebody walks up to you and says, the Lord told me. Now, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I hear God spoke to me, and I just said it to you here about five minutes ago, God has been speaking to me. And, uh, and I, I, don't know, I don't know what you thought of that uh, or anything like that. I, I'm going to be candid with you. Sometimes I, I guess I elevate my level of perception. What is God saying? And how does that stack up with other things that God might be doing or saying or whatever it is? And so I, what I'm praying is as we kind of flow, flow through this message today, we're going to kind of get some ideas on that and how to make that a little more clear. I believe it is important for us to understand that God... <clears throat> speaks when God says something he always has something important to say God is not into chit chat God has important things that he wants to communicate to us and not just sort of like you and I uh, out having a cup of coffee and a cookie after church and, and chomping on it and talking about how we mowed the lawn or something God has important things that he desires to speak to us in our lives God always has a goal in mind as he speaks. Uh, God spoke to Moses in a burning bush. And in that, in that message that he spoke to Moses, he basically said, this is how I want my people Israel delivered from Egypt. And that was about it right there. Moses was on, on deck, if you will, saying, you're going to be a deliverer, and this is how it's going to happen. He spoke to Joshua. The Bible says Joshua met the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encouraged Joshua when Joshua was faced with Jericho, this, this impenetrable walled city that stood right in the way of their opportunity to conquer the promised land. The Bible says Joshua was encouraged in the Lord. David found himself in grave trouble and surrounded by enemies, and God spoke to him and said, I will instruct you, I will teach you in the way that you should go. And so, in other words, God is speaking to people, he is communicating to people, and look, he still communicates today. This has not changed. And as a matter of fact, as I mentioned earlier, I believe the tempo of his communication has increased. One of the characteristics of Jesus in the New Testament was the fact that he was a constant friend, he was a companion, uh, he was a counselor. People could actually walk up to him, speak to him, and he would speak back to them. 
a word of wisdom, a counsel, or whatever, whatever was necessary to be provided at that particular time. He spoke. A relationship was formed. You could touch Jesus. Now, it's hard to touch Jesus today, isn't it? But a relationship can still be formed. A, a relationship that's going to communicate truth to you. The context of this passage, I think it's important too, as we begin to knit this message together, because the foundation of this woman's faith was belief, was the, the fact that she encountered Jesus at this well. Now, you know the story, I think many of you know the background of this. This woman was a, this woman was considered a sinful woman. She was considered somewhat of a bit of an outcast, a social outcast. People just didn't like to be around her and all of these other things. And so Jesus, <clears throat> she encounters Jesus uh, at the uh, noontime at, the, at this well. And Jesus begins to speak to her. And there's something about this story that's so compelling because this woman was interested in this person, this man speaking to her. A Samaritan was having a conversation with a Jewish rabbi unheard of wasn't done can't be done and yet it was happening Jesus was speaking to her and and the conversation goes on and the conversation leads to the fact that she gave her heart to Christ she was transformed in the midst of that con, con, uh, 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 conversation and the Bible says she went back to her community and she began to tell everybody she could find what had just happened to her that she had been transformed in her life what she used to be she is no longer a transformed life she shared this message look at verse 41 and many more believed because of his own word now watch these very carefully right here this tells me something. The foundation of her faith was not built on some kind of an emotional thing. It was not built on some kind of a feeling. It wasn't built on any other thing. I just, I just met Jesus, so therefore, while I'm really different, something happened in her life. Something penetrated this heart of hers. And it's in the heart where the decisions of our lives are made, where transformation actually occurs in our life. And her life was changed. She heard the word. Now that's pretty easy for us to say, I think, in this context, because who is the word? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. It's Jesus himself. She heard Jesus. And then in verse 42, there's a little bit of a transition here. Watch this. Watch this. And then they said to the woman, these are the people in that town of Sychar. He's, they said, now we believe not because of what you said for ourselves. We have heard him and we know that he's the Christ. So let me give you a little bit of a free translation here. These people were saying, listen, lady, you have a compelling testimony of the transformation that God has made in your life, but we want to hear his word for ourselves. That's what they were saying, verse 42. We want to hear his word for ourselves. And that's critical. 
God wants to communicate into our lives this morning. He wants to speak into your life. Let me tell you something. God has something to say to you about how to farm, how to do business, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a kid going to high school, how to be anything, anything you can imagine under the sun. God's got something to say about it. And why aren't we listening to him? I, I mean, I think that's a good question. Why don't we ask that question of ourselves? Why don't we listen to him? We say, listen, I'm going to go out and farm this and do this and that. What if God says, no, I don't want you to do this. I want you to do this. And that can happen. We need to be plugged into God in such a way. And our hearing and our spirit fine-tuned to his wisdom, his voice, his direction for our lives. From the beginning, God has had one thing in mind, and that is to fellowship with humanity, a humanity that he created. And there's no one, hear me, there's nobody more important on the face of this entire planet than you are today. Not one person. There's nobody that God was more interested in talking to than talking to you this morning. He's very interested in that. He wants to do that. And we can be super thankful that God is still in the communicating business. Now, let's take a look at these five principles. I'm going to give it to you. Actually, there's probably more than this if we give it further thought. But I'm going to give you five of the headliners. First of all, he's going to be speaking to us through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that God breathed his word. This word, this Bible right here, carries with it, the words carry with it the very breath of God. The breath of God. He breathed upon it. I take you back to Ezekiel chapter 37, where, Jesus, or where God looked over this valley of dry bones and said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, you're the only one that knows that God. And he said, the Bible says, I breathed upon it. And in the first 18 or 20 verses of that, of that 37th chapter, you'll find the breath of God, the spirit of God at work, at work, at work in creating life. This is life. God gives it life. When you open this Bible tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to read a chapter out of it, you are reading life. You are reading words that God has breathed. And because he has breathed them to you, they're going to give you life. They're going to give you faith. They're going to give you counsel. They're, they're going to give direction for your life. This is powerful stuff. This is the power book. And so, God does give us a word of encouragement. Sometimes he gives us a word of warning. A lesson for life. This is God's story. This is the story of God right here. And he wrote it because he loves you. He wrote it because he wants you to understand this story and how this story can intersect and overlay our lives. Every chapter of the Bible is God's word. And also if we interpret scripture by scripture... This is going to help us to avoid the, the uh, false logic that sometimes dislodges us 
from right thinking and critical thinking and understanding his word. God does not violate his word. God does not violate his principles. If you say, hey, wait, I'm thinking this and this, and yet it violates God's word, I, I'm going to just give it to you in a real short verse. That's not from God. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're thinking about doing, it's not from God when it violates his word. Let's make sure we get that one, lock that one down. Tighten that one up real tight in your mind and thinking because it's important. The second thing, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Next week I'm going to talk about this a little more extensively, but I just want to kind of touch on it mostly today. Turn with me to John chapter 16 for just a moment. If we are walking in the Spirit daily, surrendered to the power of God, we can expect we can expect what Jesus describes right here. I'm going to read it for you. In John chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, listen to this. And I've got these underlined and highlighted in my Bible. The personal pronouns. Listen to that. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whether he hears, he will speak and he will tell you all things to come. He will glorify me. Now, that's powerful, folks. I mean, Jesus really pours it on right here. I mean, I think Jesus is saying, listen, I really want you to get this. I want you to understand, this is coming from me. This isn't coming from the world. This isn't coming from Reader's Digest. This isn't coming from the morning news or anything. This is coming from me. Then, Go back to uh, John chapter 14, verse 17. Turn about one page, probably. <clears throat> this is beautiful right here. It says here, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. He's talking to the believers. He's talking to people who are Christ followers. And to Christ followers, he's saying, Look, you know me, so you can receive this. You can understand this. Now, you can speak this into a crowd of people who don't have a clue about Jesus, don't know much of anything about God, and they're going to just go like, huh, what's he talking about? But when I speak this to you, people who follow Christ, people who love Christ, bang, bang, this thing starts to resonate. And God begins to, his voice begins to speak into our lives and touches us. He dwells in you, and you will be with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just real quick. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in six, verse 16, just one verse though. He says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now catch this, folks. Guess who's dwelling in you this morning? Spirit of God. You love Jesus, you've given him your heart, your life, you're surrendered to him, you know him as your savior, he is your Lord. Guess who's also living in there with you? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. And when you take the Spirit of God and you take the Word of God, these two things, when you combine these and load them into your life, you know what's going to happen? You're going to hear from God. You're going to hear what God's got to say about your situation, whatever's going on, and this can happen in your life.
I want to keep on going here. It's the spirit that speaks through our conscience that helps us to make decisions, the right ones. When we are tempted, I don't know how you are, when I'm tempted, bang, an alarm goes off. I mean, it's like, oop, stay out of that. Stay away from that, steer clear of this. And that, that alarm in our lives, which is really the alarm that is set off by the Spirit himself, when we're tempted. As a pastor, I depend, I rely on the, on, the, on the Spirit's direction, his guidance, even his word. While I speak up here, oftentimes there's things that move into my heart and my spirit that comes from him. And that's, that's an empowering kind of thing that God works in our lives. God, God speaks to us through godly people. Godly people, people who, who are godly people, who are these people? Well, chances are they're all around you today. This is a pretty good place to find godly people. Uh, now, Monday morning, I don't know, you're on your own there a little bit, but uh, today is a pretty good place you can find some in here. Godly people, people who love, who love his church, people who are worshipers, people who have solid understanding of the word of God, people who love you, and people who know how to pray. I can't tell you how many times that I've been in prayer and a conversation with somebody and, and something has been said and suddenly you realize that isn't your idea, that's the idea of God. Tuesday night I was praying with a group of ministers in Ames, Iowa, and we were praying for a variety of needs and everything. A pastor said, this is the need that, I, that we have in, our, in a church situation. And as we prayed that evening, it was interesting after we finished, I said, look, I think God gave me a word. That's scary, isn't it? I said, Pastor, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this and this step? He said, oh, no, I hadn't even thought of that. That might be the solution that we need to deal with this problem. I believe that's a word from God. And I shared it with him, but I didn't share it with him in such a way, if you don't do this, you're, you're sinning and you're out of step with God. I think he needs to get in touch with that too. So, anyway, we pray oftentimes before this church service, in fact, virtually every Sunday morning, God, you know the needs. You know the words that need to be spoken today. There are people here that perhaps have reached critical mass in their life, and they need something. They don't need just some pious platitudes from a pulpit. They need to have a word that speaks life, that speaks hope and encouragement, that speaks direction, that speaks wise counsel. And we want to be the conduit. And if what I've got down in my note paper today is not what needs to be said, then I need to, I need to be tuned in in such a way that I, can, that I can relate that to other people that we might uh, come into a, an encounter. I think this is about the fourth thing, through circumstances. Now, folks, I think there's a couple of extremes in this circumstance area. And let me explain them real briefly to you. Two extremes. One extreme is the rationalist. Okay, we're talking about how does God speak, and I'm going to talk to you about the rationalist here for just about 30 seconds. 
This is a person who believes no impression is going to come from God. It must be totally logical and must add up. It's got to add up. I've got my calculator out, and I just burned the thing down, and what you just said doesn't add up at all. can't be from God. Whew, throw it out. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Once in a while, you might be right, but most of the time you're dead wrong. God so often is asking us, take a step of faith. But pastor, we don't have enough money in the bank. God is not interested in your checking account, friend. He is interested in your faith. Don't forget that. Some of you forgot it already. <laughs> Rationalize. Now, the other end of this extreme are those with the mystical beliefs that absolutely everything they hear must be from God. And that can be just as risky, and that can get into some real crazy ground. I was told of somebody who just knew that God was telling them it was okay to buy a brand new pickup. They'd been praying. They prayed about it. Now, the circumstances seemed to confirm it, and the reason it confirmed it is because every time he drove by the new, uh, new car lot, there was that pickup in the right color, the right style. And he said, you know, I just think this is God all the way. Because there it is, there's the circumstance. The problem was, this guy could not afford this at all. And was going to put him in such a, and it did, put him in such a financial twisted situation. That wasn't from God. Moses used circumstances of the plagues to convince Egypt to release God's people from slavery. A few years ago, it was on Mother's Day. <clears throat> that day, the church was unusually packed. We had five, five pretty good-sized sections in the church. It was just packed. People standing. Mother's Day. I was revved up. I was excited. I felt like we'd had a breakthrough in some things in the church. I mean, the place was loaded. It was a great day. And I got up to open the service, and something that never occurred to me in my life before, I began to feel terrible. I, I got so hot, I was perspiring like you can't believe. I noticed a couple of the RNs that went to our church scooted to the back and they came down through a, a hallway off to this side and they motioned me, come over here. Everybody was standing, everybody was singing. It was, I, I was on top, I thought maybe I might be hyperventilating a little bit. Well, it wasn't that. I was having a heart attack. And I called the ambulance. <coughs> We took the bumpy ride to Mercy Hospital. God stepped in in that emergency room, I can tell you that. And that afternoon, Joan left. The doctor had been by. He was a good Jewish heart doctor. Not much for bedside manner. He said, Reverend, you better start changing some things in your life or you're going to be in real trouble. I thought, you know, I feel like I am in real trouble. <laughs> it left me alone there. I believe God was speaking, and I was listening. Sometimes these circumstances are a bit overwhelming. 
but I needed to hear it. And that apparently was the only way God could get it through my head. I want to talk about the last thing, and that's prayer. Everything I've said to you today meshes together with one another, but I believe it's prayer. Folks, I believe prayer is like the glue that binds this whole thing together. It's the binding agent of the word, of circumstance, of the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voices of godly people that may speak in your mind, but it becomes prayer that begins to bind this thing together so that you know that you know that you know. Prayer is so important. Prayer is the critical element here. The Bible says we may not know how to pray, but God has a solution for that. Romans chapter 8 says when we don't know how to pray, he said the Spirit of God will pray through you. When I can't come up with the words, and even when I come up with the words, they may not be the right words, I can count on the Spirit of God to begin to pray through me. God has access in my life. Let him have access to your life. Let his word have access into your life. So that in that critical moment, whenever it might come, he can pray through you. And God provides his amazing direction in your life, or whatever the need might be at that point. Does all of this happen immediately? Oftentimes it doesn't. I have prayed for things in my life. One thing in particular, I don't have time to go through it, but it didn't happen for 21 years, but I never forgot it. And when it, when it did occur 21 years later after I prayed, I knew it was God, because he already showed me. I remember when God called me to the ministry. It was a process. It was sort of a process of eliminating stuff. And after a couple, three months or weeks, or several weeks, the elimination process left only one thing that made any sense in my life at all, and that I was to follow God in his calling. That wasn't the career path I had in mind. That wasn't the idea that, that, that was a part of my life at that moment. But I knew that I knew that I knew this is what God wants. And if we're going to walk in obedience to God, then we need to pay attention to that. We can't just say, I don't like that option. You know, Jonah said, I didn't like that option. Don't care for Nineveh at all. Well, fine. Fine. Take this ride. Got this whale waiting for you out here in the middle of the Mediterranean. You'll enjoy that. And when that whale barfed up Jonah, guess what? Jonah could clearly see the mind of God. He saw it clear as a bell. He just knew. Sometimes it does take that, though, doesn't it? Sometimes we do have to take the whale ride. I want to do something here.
that's so rare that I do this. You should mark this down in some book. I, I'm going to ask uh, Isaac and Jacob. How about that? Isaac and Jacob. Where's Abraham? <laughs> They're going to help me. Uh, Jacob, take this mic. And what we're going to do, I've got a t about five minutes. I'm going to take the next five minutes. Isaac, come up and help me. Thanks. If you've got a question about what I just spoke on, we want you to ask the question, okay? And if I can't give you a good answer, I'll be sure and answer it well next week. I, get, I need a trap door. <laughs> I need a back door on this deal. So raise your hand. These guys are going to rush you. Don't just yell out your thing because we can't hear you. Not over there. Okay, do it right now. Maybe they all want to get out early, huh? <laughs> well, listen, you're welcome to ask the question. These guys will give you a mic, and we'll answer it. We'll try to answer it best we can. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get a microphone in front of that guy. <laughs> when a message comes to us, do we always know it, or sometimes is, is it a later time we we learn that that was a correct message. I think the answer is yes on that. I think there are those occasions, I think there are truly those occasions in which God gives us a, basically he gives us sort of a push out the door, okay? I want you to walk through this door. And after I've walked through the door, then he begins to unfold the furtherance of his will and his desire in our life. I know that when we went from pastoring at Glad Tidings in Des Moines to Trinity Bible College, he basically says, walk through this door. But after that, we continue to wait on him, and then he began to unfold his plan for us. So sometimes there is quite a step of faith there. And that's, that's really important, that step of faith, because if we hold back, no, no, I want to see the whole plan spread out in front of me. Uh, you, you probably won't get it. Moses didn't get it. You want to grab that over to Paul? So, sometimes um, you hear people, they'll go through scripture and pick out a text. Okay. Sometimes that text gets prayed out of context. Do you want to hit on that a minute? Well, Paul, I think you said that very well, actually, right there, is that we need to, we need to make sure that what we are, you know, cherry-picking the scripture... About anybody can do that, and if you do that, you can just about make the Bible say anything you want. And so the context becomes critically important. It really does. Because <clears throat> what I, I think sometimes people get so eager to know, I think God wants me to do this. I'm pretty sure he wants me to do this. And so we go thumbing through our Bibles, and we find a verse or two here and a few over here to sort of support that when really... We need to look at that context. What is God honestly saying in that? You know, the one that comes to mind, and this may not be the best illustration, I think it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. <clears throat> and we pull that out of its context, saying, I'm not supposed to say anything about anything about you, or you're not supposed to say anything about me. That's not what that verse is even saying. Jesus is talking to a bunch of Pharisees here, they're all wrapped up in this judgmental, 
sort of thing. He was trying to nail them because of their attitudes in this whole thing. And so that, that changes the, the, the direction of that totally. So I, I, think, I think you have got to get the context right in these things. This uh, passage that I used from uh, <clears throat> John chapter 4, we needed to put that into its context before we isolated those two verses right there. And if we didn't isolate, if we just isolated those, then we could get a whole different picture or create one for ourselves. It's a good point. Uh-oh. Okay, as, as pastors, you and I, we can sit up there and tell stories of how God's <laughs> spoke to us, or uh, can you think of a time where you got it wrong? Like you thought you heard it and you got it wrong, and then I guess in, in that instance, share with us that, you know, that as we try to listen to God, we're not always going to get it right, but those moments we, we may be... I didn't quite hear that right. How do I get back on the, on the you know what I'm trying to say? I, yes, I do know what you're trying to say. I'm trying to just say, you know, I have a method in my, I guess it's all in my head, where I sort out all of that stuff and the bad stuff I put in, I, I put in the, the, as in computer terms, I just dump it in the trash. But uh, it's a good point. I really honestly believe this with all of my heart. I know there have been times when I've missed understanding what God was saying. I understand. I don't think necessarily in the big things, but I think in some of the lesser things I've missed it. However, <clears throat> I think God is big enough to take our misses, our mistakes, let's call them mistakes, and create a good path from that mistake that will eventually steer us back on the right path that's his grace and if you have made a mistake in your life in some way I believe God can take that mistake not only forgive it but to use it to steer you on a path that is that is the correct way I don't know if that's really answering your question that well but um, I felt like God was telling me to ask that question Oh dear. So, <laughs> and I, I think it's because there are times as people we get it wrong. I, you know? I agree. And so we need to understand that grace is there and God's going to take that, whatever it was, and He's going to still use you if you're willing. Yeah. Look, folks, God is not going to bring the curtain down on your life because you made a bad decision. It may be that you'll have to live with some consequences of that decision, but I'm telling you, God isn't going to bring the curtain down and said, I've had it with you. I'm walking away from you. He's going to use that experience to wisely shepherd you back on the correct pathways or his desires in your life. He'll use that. And, uh, so that, and I hope that's good news to a lot of people. Because if it wasn't for his grace, I'm telling you, we wouldn't get too far in this Christian walk without being fairly well devastated. I hope you caught that. There's somebody pointing to... You're not getting much business, uh, Isaac. Very often in life, 
Someone has to go through very hard times before they can help others down the road in their hard times and be able to minister to and guide them. I agree. You know, Paul mentioned, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, in one of the early chapters, three or four perhaps, where Paul says, you know, you, you, you go through these difficult times so that you can comfort other people in the way you were comforted. You know, it's something to be able to come alongside somebody and say, look, I've been down that path, and I can resonate with what's happening in your life right now, and I believe I can pray with you, and together we believe that God is going to bring in his help and solution or whatever it is. That's a very valuable thing. I, I think, so, you know, one of the things that we need to do when we go through a difficult time, and difficult times do not necessarily indicate that we're out of the will of God. Difficult times can be just stressful times. Jesus said you're going to have, in this world, you will have tribulation. And so, but I think one of the things that we need to be asking in the midst of those times is, Lord, what is the, what is the thing that you are trying to teach me today? What are the lessons that I can learn from this difficult moment in my life? How can I learn from that and grow in my faith in that? I think those are important things. Uh, let's quit. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Isaac and Jacob. I want you to keep one thing in mind, actually, this is very important. Whenever God is speaking to you, and I've already mentioned this just very, very briefly, whenever God is speaking to you, check it out with the Word of God. If whatever God is saying comes in at an odd angle to the Word, what you need to do is hold steady until you can hear correctly from God, because God is not going to violate His Word. Write that down. Keep that in mind. God is not going to violate his word. And that will help you. Amen. Let's stand. <clears throat> yes, the folks that are going to be baptized this evening at 530 at Treeman Park, could you meet us over by the piano just real quick, just very, very quick for a, just a final word of instruction. So right after church, scoot over there and we'll speak to you. Let's lift our hands for the blessing of God. Shall we do that? Father, may the Lord bless and keep every person in this room. Keep them safe. Keep them loving God and loving one another. Father, help us to love you more than we've ever loved you before. Help us to walk in your light as you give us light. Help us to be people who desire the direction of God in our life. Help us also, Father, as we, as we hone the ability to hear your direction. Help us to know clearly your word that would speak into our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.